This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Iron Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. I'm doing pretty well. Fall has come to the mountain compound, so I'm pretty feeling pretty good. I was able to bust out the flannel. has been debating if... This year, as it's been known in uh, EE canon, that this has been a knife year for me. So this has been the year of Iron Knife Spears. And debating if in 2020, because you got to look forward, you got to think ahead. I'm debating if I want to go with like the mountain man hunk aesthetic, or if I want to go really into vacation mode. You know, just steal something from Rich, just wear a whole bunch of Hawaiian shirts, bright Bahama shorts, and a Panama hat everywhere. So I was hoping to get your... Your thoughts on this AB? Which one do you think I should go towards? I mean, for pure uh, comedy for me, I want to support the vacation style. That's vacation where, Spears? Yeah, that's where I'm leaning. But honestly, I need to see not quite a lookbook, but I, I need to see some options here so I can really know what I'm choosing between. I understand. I understand. This is kind of putting you on blast here about my own personal aesthetic choices. So I respect that. That's what friends are for, Mike. Absolutely. Our other friend, he's right over here. He's Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hello, friends. Um, see, I only add like one interest to my uh, repertoire maybe every four, five years. So uh, I'm, I'm staying steady on, uh, on, on the aesthetic, on the brand, on the interest for 2020. Just, uh, you know, full speed ahead with no changes or personal introspection whatsoever. I just feel like I always got to keep on just freshening it up, you know, offer a new idea, a new aesthetic. I mean... I did Western Weir last year. This time, I just got obsessed with knives. The knife shows this weekend. So, you know, it's like variety in my life, Nate. But I understand you like consistency. You only want to add in, add in things slowly, which makes me want to ask, how are your succulents doing? Uh, great question, Mike. Today is a succulent day. After the recording of the podcast, I will be watering my succulents. Um, I would say three of the four strictly succulents are doing pretty well one of them seems a little droopy turning a little brown perhaps so uh gonna give that guy some extra care you know talk to it a little bit a little bit maybe give it a pep talk about masculinity um that's uh you know coming up right after this so stay tuned well folks if you need a pep talk about masculinity make sure you're following us on twitter at everything aew we do very masculine things on our twitter account but not uh, in a toxic fashion you can find me. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, yeah, that's Fuji with two eyes, like Don Fuji. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. We're back on our Thursday night bullshit recording. So you, you're probably going to be seeing us on Friday mornings, but uh, we're back on a normal schedule. So make sure you're getting that in your feed as soon as possible. Subscribe either by looking for Everything Elite on the podcast app of your choice or by subscribing to the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. If you're on the podcast app, leave us a five-star reading and a review. Please help other people find the podcast. 
And you can sponsor this podcast if you'd like to. You go to redcircle.com slash shows slash everything dash elite. That link is always in the show notes. You can just click it there, then click sponsor this podcast, or you can do a one-time sponsorship or a monthly sponsorship if you'd like. Uh, it's not a Patreon. We're not giving you anything for it. Just, you know, if you want to uh, give us a little a little for free, uh, we would appreciate it. So I think we've had a few people uh, sponsor this podcast. So thank you very much. All right. Here's what we're going to talk about this week and, you know, pretty much every week from now until uh, the end of time. Best I can tell. Uh, we're going to talk about ratings, TV ratings. We got the new AEW numbers, the new NXT numbers to compare. We're going to talk about episode two of AEW Dynamite, the best and worst of what happened on AEW. And I want to talk a little about uh, stocks of the wrestlers. Whose stock is up? Whose stock is down? I might find a more interesting way to frame that for future episodes, but that idea. We got to get away from the uh, best of, and worst framing as well. Need a, yes. need a more unique brand that's a little a little with spandex ad- adjacent. So we got to, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. we got we to take a new tack, I think. How about all elite or all feet? See that you're putting a negative connotation on feet, and we don't yeah. keep shame here. So right. uh, could that's use right. some workshopping still. I think. Yeah, that was just right off my head. Well, I'll work on it. That's okay. That's all right. Uh, we're also, of course, going to talk about AEW Dark, uh, the a premiere episode, and and what you might see next week on AEW Dark. What you're going to see, it's not a not a secret. And we will preview episode three uh, or uh, the ten sixteen show in Philadelphia. So I say we get right into the ratings. It's uh, not quite as exciting as last week, folks. What we have is that AEW dropped from 1.4 million to 1.018 million on TNT, added an additional 122,000 on True TV. There was this weird thing where there was a concern the Major League Baseball game was going to go over. They would have to move the second baseball game onto TNT. So AEW would have been on True TV, but none of that happened, but they still simulcasted dynamite on both channels so we get that drop the demo 18 to 49 they went from a 0.62 to a 0.46 so a little bit of a drop there my big takeaway here guys is now i said i'll own up to it i said i thought they would go up this week obviously i was very wrong you can expect a little drop off from uh especially from a premiere So this isn't the end of the world, but the worst part about it is it kills the narrative that AEW is just kind of bulldozing NXT and is uh, challenging the the hegemony of WWE, as our good friend Aaron Taub would say. So that's the biggest bummer about it to me. We won't know for a few weeks what this really means, but I'm just kind of bummed at what it does to the narrative. Yeah, I think uh, this is... Uh, a little bit lower maybe than I would have guessed last week. Uh, you know, I, I always expected that there would be a dip in the total viewership just because you're going to lose some of those curiosity viewers, people that tune in because they've seen all the program or all, all the advertising and want to see what the actual show is like. You know, if you're not going to appeal to all those people, some of those people are going to want Georgia Championship Wrestling or, uh, you know, Lucha Underground or something, and they're just not going to like the product. That's inevitable. So I, I always thought those people would probably tune out. Everybody else that wanted to see this show was definitely going to tune in. So um, it was perhaps a little bit down than I might've expected, but uh, I did have, you know, stiff competition with playoff baseball, um, you know, going head to head with uh, possibly elimination games. Um, I guess the, the, the silver lining here is, you know, they're still above a million viewers. 
uh, solidly above a million viewers if you factor in the true TV viewership. Um, so you have to imagine that TNT is still pretty happy, even if you know it's not uh, over the moon crazy ratings like we were looking at last week. Uh, and the other silver lining is they, uh, you know, NXT dropped uh, considerably and they continue to just demolish NXT. So, uh, you know, the NXT is is kind of in rough shape at this point, I would think, because, uh, you know, they, they, they have no young viewership whatsoever. They're getting outpaced, uh, as Garrett Kidney, I believe, pointed out by like Sean Hannity in terms of young viewership. Um, uh, they, they've they've lost this night to AEW at this point, and uh, they would have to make some severe moves to, uh, I think, come back. They haven't just lost the night to AEW and to Hannity. I'm right now looking at the show Buzz Daily Top 50 original cable telecasts for yesterday, Wednesday, October 9th. And we have some big hitters such as the international edition of House Hunters that has a better 18 to 49 there. They are tied with the NBA pregame show of a preseason game for 18 to 29 and they are just uh two hundredths of a point above crank yankers which is a show i did not believe still existed wow. and just it just came and, back just came back yeah yeah and it's overall and it's just getting like 18 to 49 viewers there but i i didn't want to be really an agony ant about this i thought about being kind of the bad cop and just saying like look this is what's happening here but when you start looking at the overall landscape of the television night that was last night, it's not just the fact that the there were two big divisional games in baseball. You take a look at the network shows, and the masking singer completely trounced everyone. I mean, they they just completely spanked everyone. And then you have all these Chicago shows on NBC, which are, are those like a Dick Wolf thing? Is that what he's doing now since – SCU's over, I guess. Like it seems like that that it's SCU. Or that sounds right. SVU. SVU. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. SVU. Oh, that, yeah. That's the BTE bit right there. We got to DM Tony yeah. about that yeah, one. Because yeah, Law and Order SVU would would draw YouTube views. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, you like look at this, and Turner had its like level of viewership that they wanted, and they're still well above it. I've looked at the baseball schedule going forward, and Next week looks like it could potentially be a week where, like, we're getting to the point in the Major League Baseball playoffs that TV shows that the half the games are going to be moved to Fox and then the other half will be on TBS. And there shouldn't be this weird simulcast situation. And let's call a spade a spade here. This simulcast turned out to be like the best case scenario for them possible because all that was on True TV was just like reruns of impractical jokers. But now they picked up an extra two an extra 120,000 fans watching the show that might not have, because it might just be weirdo and and practical jokers fans. So this to me was like walking into a test, hoping you got a B and you came out of there for C minus you didn't fail, but you didn't do as well as you hope you would. And it'll be interesting next week because week three, they have a loaded card and it's arguably the biggest card they have going forward. I mean, it really kind of spanks the card they had this week and last week. We just take a look at title matches and tournament matches as well. So before I, uh, I, I should go back and not award this night necessarily to AEW over WWE entirely, um, because as Mike pointed out, Mass Singer crushing it here on Wednesday nights. Mass Singer apparently debuted this season on September 25th. Elias has not been in the WWE since September 10th. 
So if uh, the Masked Singer is a big star-making opportunity for Elias and he's under one of those masks, could be a big coup. Mm, I did not know that was a possibility out there. We, we kind of mentioned this, but the, the actual NXT numbers, they did 790,000, so they're down about 100,000. And they did a 0.23 in the demo, which is exactly half of what AEW did. So a bad week for NXT. Two things here. One, more evidence that these two shows do not share any sort of audience. They both went down. Nobody jumped to the other side. Uh, Beyond that, AEW to me is no longer competing with NXT. That's over. Like... NXT is not a competitive uh, show with AEW. And what AEW is focused on now is how can they be competitive in the demo with other entertainment on TV on Wednesday nights? Yeah. And how can they, you know, uh, they they had competitive demo ratings with, uh, you know, relatively recent episodes of Raw and SmackDown. So how can they, you know, maintain that and, uh, you know, uh, maybe at some point become competitive in total viewership? Uh, you know, it, it was kind of framed that AEW was going head to head with NXT, but, uh, you know, again, AEW wants to be a major league. NXT is a minor league. So, uh, you know, those big boys have to be the eventual goal to be, you know, knocking on that door. Yeah. And if, if you look at the actual, all the different, uh, demos, the, the best news for AEW is that they stayed almost exactly the same in the male 18 to 49 demo. They went from a 0.69 to a 0.66. That's great news. Unfortunately, they dropped in just about every other category. So on one hand, when I hear people saying, well, baseball just kicked their ass, I'm like, okay, but who watches baseball? It seems to me that the main demo that also watches baseball stuck with AEW. So now it's a little different because you see like, uh, well, I mean, that's not true. Old people watch baseball mostly, I know, but they're not losing in that big demo. So, and even in the olds, uh, in the 50 plus, they went from a 0.34 to a 0.3. So, you know, the pretty consistent. So I'm worried about why they ran off a lot of young women, uh, the really young men, the 12 to 34. I'm worried about where those people went. Uh, but if they can hold strong in the male 18 to 49, they can work at building up those other demos, especially considering the strength of characters they have in the women's division. Wedding singer. Wedding singer killed out all the uh, women. Oh, wedding mass singer. Yeah, God, I am two for two tonight, am I? I Uh, Adam Sandler is a huge draw in his eighties get up. He's a huge, uh, you know, bringing in the ladies like crazy. Yes, especially you know the eighteen to thirty fours. But that that would make sense that a lot of these demos where AEW did poorly, that they would be attracted to that show. Like I could see that. Uh, I'm not sure why they would also be attracted to pro wrestling. I guess so. I'm just worried those people just left and aren't coming back. That's like, that's my biggest concern. Well, I'll, I'll pitch this also. Um, so the the first episode had advertised matches with uh, Cody versus Sammy Guevara. Uh, those, of course, that's a hunk battle right there for sure. Had an advertised match with Kenny Omega. Um, Kenny Omega, they, uh, you know, acknowledged hunk in pro wrestling and had the women's title match. Um, this show did not have Cody advertised, did not have Kenny Omega advertised, just had the women's tag match advertised. Um, you know, Chris Jericho came out and tried to establish Sammy Guevara as a new sex symbol. Um, but you know, if you're paying attention to what's being advertised from week to week and you don't see that Cody and Kenny are going to be on here and we know those are like, uh, it's confirmed draws for women. 
um, then maybe they're checking out something else and, and not waiting around to see if they happen to show up. Yeah, and I think that's something that will be very interesting to see with next week because we do have a all these matches already announced. There's probably still time for one more. And, you know, I mean, both the single titles are up, up to bait, up to Blah, up to bat this next week and we'll see how that appeals and we'll kind of get a better idea like how nate's saying about who actually draws people in this promotion because it's really hard over two weeks to give like some sort of trend i know dave Meltzer said give it 10 weeks and you're able to kind of tell here but at least next week going from next week we will have at least some sort of idea about where people are going where people are saying it should be stated this time we don't have the quarter hours in right now whereas in Last week's episode, we had the quarter hour, so we saw where the rise and drop was. Okay, so based on the drop this week, and based on the card we know for next week, which we'll talk about later, but, you know, singles title challenges, will you be concerned if this number drops again? Is that, like, disaster area if they can't even maintain this number with the big matches they have announced? Well, it's not a disaster, but it's a concern that you're not hooking new people if it drops again. Uh, I, you know, at best or really the worst you can best case scenario, obviously, is the number goes up. Uh, if the number goes down, it's bad when you're advertising these big matches, title matches like, you know, we're not necessarily expecting Chris Jericho to drop a title here. The audience probably knows that, but they did a good job of heating Darby Allen up for that challenge next week. Um, so if the number drops and people just aren't buying in that, hey, these are stars, these are people that I should be looking at as, uh, you know, being uh, uh, significant wrestlers in this promotion and in the future of the business, uh, then that's uh, certainly a cause for concern. Um, but, uh, you know, not a disaster yet because they're still on the hook for however many episodes of TNT and they've got some time to, uh, you know, uh, uh, hang in there hopefully. And, you know, to quote the WWE, it's a marathon, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that for me, I feel like if they, they they're just at about a million as long as they don't have another 25% drop, I would feel okay. Just because it's hard to see at this time, like I said, like we don't have the trends really. But after this, we'll be able to see what's going on here. I would think that traditional wrestling logic says two title matches and then two big tournament matches should draw people in. But it's just a percentage of wrestling, a percentage of how TV is, is that viewership's eroding and as long as your network's happy and as long as you're not looking terrible then you're okay but i would really be encouraged to see if they got if they clawed back a little bit more in the next week and especially because it looks like with with sports you're gonna have a game on fox so that takes the mass singer got it right that time off the table so that might help them out and it's it's going to be interesting to see because I don't know what else you would add to the show to make it like their biggest TV show possible, but because this is pretty close, maybe an elite versus inner circle match would be the biggest matches in theory for a five match show. If they're going to stick with that formula. All right, well, let's get into talking about this week's episode. I guess first we are going to get into what were our favorite things and least favorite things from the episode. But first let's talk about it. Big picture and just kind of how you came out of the show feeling you know, the vibe of the show and just what you thought uh, when the show was over. Nate? Uh, I was really happy with this show. I thought this was a better show than the first episode. And I came out of it like, oh, shit, like there might be good wrestling on television on a weekly basis now. Like this might be real. 
you know, uh, and, and that was, you know, but uh, really did not have any complaints whatsoever. You know, if my uh, my thesis last week was that, you know, the promotion at this point is both the good and the bad parts of the WCW. Uh, this was just all the good stuff from WCW with less bad stuff. Um, and like I said earlier, the Darby is like being heated up. Well, he's obviously a superstar in the making. Uh, they obviously have uh, intentions with him, which is important for, you know, sig signaling to the crowd that, Hey, you can get invested in this guy because we're invested in this guy. Um, so yeah, I, I was happy. I was like, Oh shit. That was, you know, it, the pilot episode of a TV show is usually a pretty weak episode. So week two is where you hopefully see what they're really made of. Yeah. And when you just keep that first half hour by itself, it might be one of my favorite half hours of wrestling TV in the last few years, just because they had a, that they, they understand how to have a hot match, open up the show, a great promo, one of the better promos we've seen in a wrestling ring in a long time. And it's just consistency. There was a little bit of a dip. I feel like partway through the show, I feel like that there was a, less matches that didn't work this week versus last week. So I'm pretty positive about it. And, you know, I've kind of been keeping track in my mind of when does the show feel tiresome to me after watching it. And I'm starting to believe that I'm not going to have that feeling just because it was 10 o'clock and we all were just messaging in our group chats how, how stoked we were for the closing angle. So they do a great job, I feel like of building up for week to week television. And that was one of those things that I was kind of concerned about going forward. Yeah. I thought this was easily better than episode one. I saw some people going the other way and that was surprising to me. I thought this was a great episode. I struggled to come up with my least favorite parts of the show to talk about, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, and just the vibe is so good. It's just like, it feels good to watch it. The two hours flies by. They're doing a great job of, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, but of giving us different people on a week-to-week -week basis while also making sure that the stars are there and uh, they keep a consistent um, presence on the show. But they also are just, I was really worried about non-wrestling segments on the first show. Not a problem on this show. It's just like, it is WCW. I mean, Nate said it, but like in all the best ways, like the show closing angle, which I'm sure we'll talk about, felt so WCW. The look, like I thought that during week one that it looked like WCW and then that kind of, you know, goes back in the recesses of your mind. And then I just remember seeing Matt Jackson on the ropes, like at the, when they very first came out and the camera zoomed in on him and just like the color, everything. I mean, I was just could not think of anything but Nitro. I mean, it was amazing. All right, well, let's talk about favorite parts of the show. So Nate, I'm going to start with you. Give me your favorite part of Dynamite episode two. Uh, my favorite part of Dynamite episode two is probably the Chris Jericho angle. It was probably when Chris came out with his new unit, the inner circle, and, you know, just did very simple, effective stuff and introducing each one of them, telling the crowd why they're good, telling the crowd, you know, who they are and why they should care about them. Um, you know, sort of established Sammy as uh, being the hot young Spanish guy, uh, just had some great turns of phrase about uh santana and ortiz plugged a you know little eddie guerrero tribute in there talked about uh jake hagar and then of course like <laughs> the thing everybody was freaking out about the crowd started chanting we the people and he just shut the chant down told them it's old shit we're not doing old wwe shit we're doing good shit now absolutely fired the crowd up people lost their minds they were like fuck yeah it felt like WCW taking like a good hearty shot at the WWF 
and not like a cheap like voodoo ken mafia tna shot but like oh yeah no you fucking owned them you did it on national television opposite one of their shows it was badass um these like probably wrestler of the year at this point regardless of you know the the uh, uh whether he hits or misses in an individual match or not he's just like putting on a superstar performance as the champion of a new company and that was awesome that was the first time in a long time where i've come away from a promo and been like fuck yes like uh, pro wrestling i'm fired up that's exactly what i wanted last week with like a john moxley just an old school pro wrestling promo talk to the camera tell people why they should care sell them on it and he nailed every part of it yeah that was going to be the one i brought up so i'll bring up my number two which was a burn down the house closing angle i mean just the way that it was something that i feel like that not not a lot of promotions know how to do a two-week payoff of okay the first week we have the big heel unit form and beat the crap out of all the noble baby faces but week two the baby faces are the one that stand tall. And the person that was the cause of this was Darby Allen as the next world title challenger. He came down skateboarding down to the ring in a way that did not feel insincere or inauthentic. Like it, it felt like Darby is, that's a Darby thing for him to do. And he put a good hit on Jericho. He saved Jericho. He saved Bryce Rumsberg from Jericho, which was kind of a good character defining moment for him. And then just like the interplay of, okay, First, you had the fact that the tag, the face baby face tag team got beat down. Then lights go out. Cody tries to save his brother. And then they he's doing okay for a little bit. Then, But here comes the rest of the inner circle. Okay, what's going to save that? Oh, MJF's going to come down here. They have they have Cody up in like the crucifix, like the dead crucifix position. And it looked like for a second that he was going to turn. But no, they're going to tease us with this forever. Okay, he gets advantage for a bit. Now Jake Hagar comes in and just is a monster. Here comes the Bucks, and then they take over again, and then it ends with the Darby thing. It just was a very exciting crash TV exit of a show, but done in a way that didn't offend your just logic and also paid off what happened the first week. And I like seeing week-to-week payoffs, and then we could have the, the payoff to Jericho and Darby next week as well, and it gets me really excited and pumped for what's coming next. Yeah, it was an excellent angle, and like a, a low key part about it that I really liked was that they protected Jake Hager in it in that he kind of gets into it with Adam page. And I thought for a second, they were going to have page lay him out in the ring. And I was like, fuck, you know, this is like this huge guy. You got to build him up or protect his heat. But the only way they let page kind of get over on him was once he got a chair, I was like, okay, I can buy that. You know, like he needs a weapon to go after this guy. So I appreciated that. Um, I agree. I mean, Nate tweeted this, but like kind of a terrifying, um, feud you know like hager and and page is kind of like i'm not sure if that's going to work for hangman uh, i did but, i, but I did really- like hager's spots in the match like he all he did was like two clotheslines lariats and they were both super effective and looked pretty great so maybe he's not totally cooked and washed i mean granted it was two clotheslines but yeah those singles matches could be rough if that's a you know like a full gear matchup or something All right, my favorite part of the show. How have we gone this far into this episode without talking about the fucking Young Bucks versus Private Party (laughs) match? So this match starts the show. They again go with a video package for the very first thing we see on the show. Then, smartly, the Bucks are the first wrestlers out on the main show. So just like Cody on week one, we get the Bucks out first. The crowd is going nuts. Private Party comes out, and the Bucks smartly 
mostly work heel in this match and to help the crowd get behind private party, which works perfectly. And then the Bucks are like, oh yeah, remember that we are, you know, probably the best tag team in the world. If you guys had forgotten about that, not only are we, but we can also do it on television. And they did all their flips, got all their shit in, and then worked a body part match. Uh, worked around Isaiah Cassidy's back, which he did a great job. I mean, this was an excellent match and amazing that they could do a 20-minute match on TV, no commercials until the match was over, a great introduction. Oh, and by the way, they put over Private Party and probably made stars. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have shouted this out as being more noteworthy that it was a great match, but I feel like you had to know this was going to be a great match, you know, coming into it, like, the Bucks just went out to House of Glory and, and wrestled these guys right before the promotion started up on TV. And like j- just knowing that the, the young Bucks are veterans and can probably work, you know, a pretty great tag match with any two of the three of us. Like, you know, I, you had to know it was going to be good, but it was it was refreshing to see like a young Bucks match with like a more traditional tag structure again, because, you know, we didn't watch Ring of Honor. I don't know if they were doing it there a lot, but in this promotion in PWG and a lot of the times in New Japan, they were doing you know, the, the tornado tags, the, you know, four-way tags, all this sort of stuff. It was good to see like, a, oh yeah, tagging in and out with the Young Bucks and like a traditional match structure where they work on one body part, you know, for the, the latter half of the match. Uh, it reminded me of like that one really good Young Bucks versus Rapongi Vice match when the Rapongi Vice first won the junior tag titles. And it's like a really straightforward match, but it's like, oh, the Young Bucks are so good at this. And you see him lose and you see him eat shit and you're like, yes, the Young Bucks are like, so good at losing and making their loss matter to someone like like you like you said they're the first people out here because they're stars and they're stars for a reason and i would like to say who was the person that said strap the rocket ship to private party from the get i it was you i still don't agree with doing it but it was you yeah yeah in one match these guys are now complete stars and the bucks are such professionals knowing okay we had that match at hog now we're going to take what we did here and make these guys look like superstars, especially when you compare it to the match that happened on Dark that I felt like exposed a lot of Private Party's weaknesses. This match had none of that. And this match made both made both Cassidy and Quinn look incredible. And God, Quinn has one of the prettiest shooting star presses I've ever seen. It is nuts. Like these two guys, you give them a month, and you give them the month up to Charleston, uh, West Virginia. And they're going to become the biggest stars in the world if you just keep on letting them have these matches with teams that can get these guys over. And really, the credit has to go to the Bucks for this with the reasons you all have said. I do wonder, like you said, that maybe, um, you know, Private Party was a little exposed when we saw him on the AEW Dark match. Um, that, that's kind of maybe the reason why I also think the Young Bucks should be the people anchoring this tag team tournament and, and going out there and having great matches every week. Uh, that being said, if private party ends up facing lucha brothers in the next round i'm pretty sure they've worked each other at house of glory before so they probably know what they're doing as well um so we'll just have to see i you know if the we're moving to a semifinal of like jurassic express versus private party like i could see how that might be not a semifinal you want to hang your hat on for a big national tv spot i don't know all right but let's talk about another tournament that's going on it's the major league baseball playoffs tournament folks i was looking today mybookie.ag good place to bet on the major league baseball playoffs i know mike and i are betting there you can join us all you got to do is use the promo code elite and you can get double your deposit up to a thousand dollars i was looking today at the odds on winning the world series okay 
So they've probably taken these down for right now because Houston and Tampa are playing their game five as we're recording. And last I looked, Houston was up 4-1. But have you looked at these odds recently, Mike? I have not looked at the odds for baseball because I'm very bitter about the Texas Rangers being in a bad place right now. So. That's when you probably hate Houston, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are the uh, cross-state things. The uh, silver boot is the trophy they play for each year. But tell me, what look, what are some of the odds we can have right now for baseball? Well, Houston is the favorite. I mean, yeah. it, it hurts me. Uh, I'm a Yankees fan. If I think I mentioned that last week. Hurts me. Astros plus 150. Yankees plus 200. So right on their tails. Yeah, I mean, it just looks like this year that if you want to make some, like, I'm not saying like make the bet, but if you if you want to look towards it, 150 for the Astros if it's adjusted after this game, that's still a pretty great bet if you ask me. I mean, I'm a homer, but I like the two, plus 200 on the Yankees. Sure. The, the Astros Garrett Cole had to pitch in Game Five, so he's not going to be available until Game Three of the ALCS. So gives you a little uh, a little leg up for the Yankees. But I mean, the real money I guess is in the National League if you can pull one of these longer bets. You got the Cards. And the Nationals, both at plus 400. Not sure that's long enough, but Yeah, <laughs> longer. Yeah, it, it's interesting time. I mean, there's also a lot of other things. If you're not, not a baseball person, there's a great week of college football up ahead of us coming up. I know that the Miami Hurricanes are playing against the number 20 Virginia Cavaliers, and that's a very tight line going right now. So there's a lot of things to do. I mean, I've been all about the esports bet on mybookie.ag. And I'm really stoked because the League of Legends World's Championship group stage starts this weekend. And I, I have to get my money down on SKT. You know, I love my SK Telecom guys. You know, Faker's the man. So you can do all these bets. Well, we could play a game sometime where I, I just give you gamer tags and you could guess if they're real or fake because some of them are wild. And I'll never include mine in there because I keep up that bet. <laughs> All right, so you can bet on baseball, college football, esports. You can bet on the Formula One race in Japan this Might weekend. Might not happen. <laughs> uh, and of course, NFL. And remember, folks, that they have in-game betting at mybookie.ag. So you don't have to just bet on the line. You can bet uh, as the game's happening. And uh, of course, they have parlays. I know Mike likes parlays. So, you know, parlay some stuff together. See what happens. Yeah, you could just set up your weekend. Just throw down a 4 or $5 parlay on eight games and get ridiculously excited when you've hit your first four games and your remainder you're on you're just on pins and needles to see if the i don't know who's a bad team in the nfl right now are the uh carolina panthers a bad team but i don't think so but miami is yeah yeah oh the dolphins are terrible like you if you somehow bet on the dolphins on that to hit your parlay nothing's more exciting than that that's true all right let's we'll give you our uh our lock locks of the week of course the cousin weed mouse lock of the week is is falling on hard times uh, it started out really good, but we've had we've had a bad run. But uh, we're going to give it to you again anyway. So the cousin weed mouse lock of the week: Boise State minus thirteen and a half taking on Hawaii. I like that. So, I think Hawaii is a fun team. I know it is the captain Rich Krejci's selected college football team. They have Cole McDonald, who is one of the uh, wildest quarterbacks in all the nation. If you get a chance, just Google Cole McDonald. He looks exactly how you expect a quarterback for Hawaii to look like. So. That they are a, they're, they're a little bit underwhelming this year. And Boise is always Boise State, top group of five team. I mean, I totally get where Cousin Weed Mouse is coming from on this. All right. Of course, we have the Everything Elite Lock of the Week. We are also two and two. And this week, for the first time, the Jacksonville Jaguars are favored, folks. 
So we got the Jaguars minus 125. They're at home against the Saints. But you can also, if you want to give up only a point, you can lower your VIG uh, minus one for the Jags. So you got to go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code ELITE, and you will get double your deposit up to $1,000. That's promo code E-L-I-T-E. So visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, the last good thing that I have to point out from the show, I would be off-brand if I didn't point it out, is how over the women were. It was like warming to my heart, and especially Riho. Riho is a star. I mean, the crowd loved Riho. Yeah, all their offense, you know, it, it wasn't like a blow-away tag match here, and you also had uh, Emi Sakura in there, who was on one previous AEW show, but obviously is not someone that the entire wrestling viewing audience is going to be familiar with. Um, but the crowd was really with the women's tag match the whole way. And Rio uh, in particular got really big reactions, um, which is just like kind of amazing, um, but cool to see. Um, and uh, I also just want to shout out that in that match, Amy Sakura did a combination a Romero special and a Freddie Mercury call and response bit that he would always do like live at Wembley, which the crowd is not also quite hip to, but there were a few people that were, singing along with her deo thing which is like that's just like an amazing thing to be true of wrestling in 2019 is that that's what happened on tnt last night i just love the fact that aew lets emmy sakura lets shima lets christopher daniels just do maestro stuff just to be wily veterans we'll talk a little bit about the dark match later with uh Darby Allen and Shima, but like Emmy Sakura was just wrenching people. And I just love seeing like the wily veteran. And, you know, she's a very busy wrestler and, and trainer and promoter with Gotta Move, but I would love just have her stick around as much. I mean, since it seems like that Awesome Kong is not going to be a regular figure. So we don't really have like that big veteran in the division. I think Emmy Sakura would be amazing for it. And of course, like, Rio is the most charming wrestler in the world. Like whenever you, you, you see her come out, like the crowd just, she has that natural charisma that everyone thought that Bailey would have, but Rio just kind of just oozes natural charisma. And it's so exciting to see her just get the crowd behind her. And they get so excited for her double stomp move that she randomly does. I, it's just exciting to watch her wrestle. And it's great that they decided to strap her up and go with it. All right. The only I really struggled coming up with things I didn't like about this episode. Uh, but the the main thing for me coming off of what we were just talking about, it's like, it's Britt Baker folks. It's like the presentation is bad. The dentist thing is bad. And she was very bad on commentary. I mean, doesn't have much charisma, but also like just not particularly exciting in the ring. And she's clearly going to be pushed. So they've already announced that she's going to face Riho next week for the, uh, for the women's world title. I'm just like, I'm down on Britt Baker. See, I totally get the intent with Britt Baker. Um, she's someone who I'd seen at Shimmer a number of times and would like see her, you know, whether in a singles match or tagging with Chelsea Green or whatever, and be like, how is she not already in the WWE? Because she has, you know, all the things that they were looking for, especially a few years ago, like totally has a WWE look, uh, you know, looks like an athlete. Um, you know, has major league looking gear, um, you know, has like a, a relatively good amount of confidence when she's in the ring. Um, and 
it, especially at the time in Shimmer when she was relatively new to wrestling, you could see like, oh, you know, she's new to wrestling, but she's really good for where she's at. You know, she could totally hang with people in the WWE. Uh, I guess the disconnect is like women's wrestling has largely gotten presented uh, and the level of match quality has rapidly advanced since then. So she, she, there's just a disconnect there from where she was to where she is now. So I see why they would put her in that spot. She just hasn't quite gotten over the hump, I guess. Um, it's kind of a thing where I think she'll be more ready and have more confidence when she's just had a ton more reps being on TV under her belt, when she's, you know, been on the road for 52 weeks with AEW and like, you know, uh, seen what works and what doesn't work. Just the question, I guess, is when you have two hours a week and you're going to be cycling, cycling people in and out and you don't have everybody on every show, is she going to get the opportunity to do that? Um, so that's, I guess, the the, the Britt Baker take um, from me. That wasn't my worst thing on the show. I guess my worst thing on the show would be that you had two matches and match time takes up a large portion of these shows that were with Jimmy Havoc losing and Sean Spears losing, which is fine. That's what those guys should be doing. Um, just you can beat them faster, I think. <laughs> Yeah, that's a totally valid point. And my point was going to be about Sean Spears. So it's just he's never been as over as he was when he busted open Cody Rhodes with a chair. And they did the smart thing of, okay, this is something we're going to have to do with this guy to further draw Pete. Let's put Tully Blanchard there. Tully, who has been amazing in this role. He was fantastic in this. But that match between him and John Moxley, one – where was like the Moxley that was very exciting and felt like invigorated during the G1? He came out in his G1 gear and it just kind of felt like that they wanted to have a WWE style match. And they have to come to terms about who Sean Spears is because he should not be a guy going, going 50 50 with someone who's supposed to be facing a Kenny Omega at their next pay per view. He's not someone that really should have gone 50-50 with Cody Rhodes earlier when Cody Rhodes is the biggest baby face on the roster. It's just that match drone on. I stopped caring. I started playing with my phone. I looked up to see the world, the world's worst Tope Suicida I've ever seen in my life from Sean Spears. Like it was I, I've seen both 70-year-olds and nine-year-olds do much better topes than that. And it just was something that I'm to complete with you, Nate. Darby, the show should have been about Darby getting prepped up and doing like a one-week rocket ship to him. Luckily, the closing angle, he didn't need to go 50-50 with Jimmy fucking Havoc. And you didn't need to have John Moxley go 50-50 with the 10 guy. It just was frustrating. And these were like the, like my two sold-down moments of the show were just how these matches were and how it deflated what should have happened for these other guys. Like the best person in the Sean Spears and John Moxley match was Pac on commentary. Pac was sorry. Pack was great on commentary, and it just was wow, like, "Wow, Mike, come on, buddy!" This by, is shining through here. I think. Yeah, yeah. This is just a thing that this is not my show this week. I but you're uh, going to see Tully, which I would have agreed with. But oh, Pack was great on commentary. Like, but he was he like was the fine. He was acceptable on commentary. And I'm not just saying that because Pack made sure to put over Benke. But it just was that, that was cool. That part was cool. It just is something that like you watch that match and it just was you came out of this is like, is this what you should be doing about John Moxley when they already had a great Twitter interview with him earlier that day? No, not at all. It was absolutely disappointing. Yeah, the the Twitter promo should have been on the show or like 
because he's like your best promo guy or like your top three promo guy and they haven't put the promo on the show yet got to do that i will defend moxie a little bit like mike might be forgetting how bad he was as dean ambrose but he was better than that in this match like he was laying his shit in against sean spears uh granted sean spears is somebody who's been in like the wwe system for like 30 years so maybe you're not going to get to that you know g1 level with them but there were some good like stiff shots in there um and I, our, our friend uh, Champ Julius, who's like the fifth or sixth biggest Lucha account on Twitter, uh, he did point out that Sean Spears should be hitting people in the head with chairs more. That's true. If he's going to be the chairman, he's got to hit more people with chairs. If you're going to hit people with chairs as like a gimmick, you got to hit them in the head. Um, that would get people just way hotter on Sean Spears. That would make his whole entrance where it's like silent and he folds the chair together would make much more sense if he was getting nuclear heat because he was giving people CTE. So you know, there, I guess there's sort of your tension on that, but uh, that would that would be a quick fix, maybe. All right, let's let's jump to AW Dark real quick, and so here's kind of our idea going forward with AW Dark. So if you're not familiar with AW Dark, it's going to be Tuesday nights at seven on YouTube. I didn't check to see if it's still up. Is it up available on VOD? Can you go back and watch? Yes. Does anybody know? Yes. Yeah, it, it is. And there's about last time I checked was over half a million views on YouTube. Cool. So it's so. like a studio wrestling show, essentially. I mean, it's filmed, obviously, uh, before and after the TV. So what we're going to do each week is we'll probably run down the matches after uh, the show they happened on, and then we will run down the results the next week. And if anything is noteworthy from those matches, you know, we'll talk about it. But there were a few people who didn't want us to spoil it on the podcast, and I guess there's really no point because we won't see them until later. So that's fine. That's what we'll do. You can go find the results if you want them. But I wanted to just start talking about this idea generally. I loved episode one of this. I don't know that it's something I'll watch every week, but it made me recollect so much to being a kid and watching like uh, Saturday morning or uh, superstars, those kind of shows. And uh, I just fucking loved it. And, you know, I don't have to like key in and really pay attention to the matches. I can just kind of play on my phone and watch them. But I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I tuned in just for the Darby versus Shima match and that delivered. So if they put matches on here that delivered, I will check out, check them out as long as they're not more than like a week old, I guess. Um, I, you know, kind of tuned out as the show went on and wandered away from the TV and went to do other things. Cause I, I just, you know, it, uh, not everything holds my attention. Um, I will, if I have one complaint, when you do the green screen studio and then you have like, the full Tony Schiavone body standing against the green screen. It just looks so goofy. Like if the, I don't know, maybe shoot them from like the torso up or like have fewer green screen elements. So it doesn't look like he's, you know, on the fucking uh, the set of Brendan Fraser's the mummy or something. I don't know. <laughs> it, it just, it, it looks so weird. I hate it. it. It's definitely something where their positioning and their technological capabilities really made it look like that he was on the the bridge of the starship enterprise it just was one of those things that the production kind of didn't help and i think this is a really smart thing for them because basically as ab said and he said on about this this felt like a syndicated wrestling show this felt like i remember on saturdays growing up i'd stay up late and watch shotgun saturday night I, it just felt like like that kind of thing where like they have quick matches and they cut through and it's just they preview what's coming up for the next week. And I think that's really smart. And it's going to be smart for them to have this 
already in the can because this is more content they can throw on BR, BR Live. This is more things that they could sell for TV footage because it's already taped. It's already pretty much as of like, there's not a lot of uh, things that have to work out of it. The one thing that I'll say about this is they air these matches in full. And for some of these wrestlers, I mentioned Private Party earlier, but Penelope Ford as well. It's a big disservice that they're showing these long matches rather than cutting them up and just doing like a joined in progress or something like that. But it, it's such a cool concept. And you get to see a match like Darby Allen versus Shima, which is a match that Shima has been wanting for years, ever since he found out about Darby Allen and the fact they had such a really cool tight, what was it like eight minute match, maybe, maybe 10 minute match. It was just awesome to see. And when they have stuff like this, and we'll talk about what's going to be on episode two when we run down results, there's enough there to be like, okay, I'll carve out an hour in that time period before uh, between AEW Dark going up and the episode of Dynamite, like watch it over lunch and just check it out. Just because it's, it's a very pleasant show and they found a way to do in a one hour syndicated show that doesn't waste my time. And that's my big thing about AEW. Just please don't waste my time. All right, I don't think there's anything worth talking about on that episode other than Darby Allen versus Shima, which might ran down. Any other thoughts on that match or any other match, Nate? Uh, Orange Cassidy is super over. Yeah. Yeah, Orange Cassidy was the most over person in the eight-man match. Uh, of which he was not one of the eight. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, Darby Allen versus Shima, it's something that they worked it around the coffin drop versus the Meteora, and I thought like, they did it great job with it and the idea of okay Darby Allen has to face this wily veteran who knows his stuff and I thought it was really well played the the uh, eight person tag uh, Orange Cassidy was the most over person there as I said earlier they kind of exposed private party a little bit in that match the women's tag was a little rough and then SE versus Jurassic Express was fun all right Nate you want to talk about BT real quick Oh, yeah. So I watched BT. There hasn't been one since our, um, I guess they come out Monday still. Um, but just quick notes, I to say if I think to watch the show and they do something that I think might factor into future story, I'll, I think I'll mention it. Um, Nick is still doing the bit of making the ironically bad merch, um, but, it, but he's really getting into it, showing some more personality there. Um, there was some good, cute backstage footage from the debut episode of Kenny and the Bucks watching Riho's match and uh you know Matt saying oh she's they're stealing the show they're stealing the show and Kenny just obviously being over the moon about it um and then there was a good little story segment of the Bucks being mad at Adam Page that he didn't make the save um which I noted when we went down the the debut episode uh Dustin Rhodes said hey man I was out there and I'm not even in the elite um so a little good continuity there and that set up the Dusty <laughs> sorry Dusty Dustin and uh Adam Page team which we saw this week um, the Bucks were also disappointed in Kenny for not being out there to help them. Uh, but Kenny was, you know, backstage tending to his injuries after going through the class table. So, uh, you know, the, the, all those stories that we've been tracking with a uh, little friction with Hangman and Kenny sort of losing his mind uh, continue to move forward. All right, let's run down week two real quick. Really, just so you have the results. And if anybody wants to hop in on something to do, we're going to try to do less than we did last week, which ended up just being like a match-by-match rundown, which we swore we weren't going to do. So, you know, if you have a note or two about a match, that's fine. Tag Team Tourney, first round, Private Party defeated the Young Bucks. Uh, Mark Wynn uh, used a small package to pin Matt Jackson. We've talked about that one at length. I just wanted to say that on Twitter, there was a cool post-match promo from them. And it was kind of interesting that Nick 
Uh, he's like, I don't know what happened, uh, but it's my son's birthday. I just want to get out of here and go home. And uh, Matt said, hey, man, you know what happened last week at the end of the show. You can't go home. And Nick like kind of turned around. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. So I'm sure there's some purpose to that. Uh, I can't imagine knowing that that's not going to come out until after everything that they just wanted to play that part into it. So maybe there's something more to this. They do a lot of sort of retconning because they can only get video out in certain uh, uh, formats or at certain times, I guess. So they do a lot of justifying stuff after the fact, which is like, hey, at least they're making an effort to justify it. Same thing that Pac did uh, with him not getting a title match, despite him having like the best record. He mentioned that in commentary. It's like, you know, they didn't really justify that in booking the Darby versus Jimmy match, but at least they lampshaded and said, hey, now this guy's got a bone to pick, and now he's mad because he wants the, the match he deserves. Then they did the inner circle in-ring promo that Nate talked about. The only thing I wanted to say about this was this promo exemplified why NXT lost this, this battle already because they didn't understand people's attraction to AEW. They put on Adam Cole versus Matt Riddle because they thought they were going to handicap AEW on wrestling as if like having the biggest, best matches in the world is what draws people to AEW. And really it's about like real sincere characters that you can care about. And NXT had that once upon a time, but it gets so exhausting watching NXT knowing those guys are going to leave. Yeah. And so it's like you can't get attached to them. And this is a real wrestling promotion. AEW is real. NXT is fake in that it's not only self-contained, it has a time. Uh, a, what's the word I'm looking for? It has an expiration date. Right. And, All and the characters have expiration dates. AEW is real, has sincere characters, and you can comfortably get attached to people because this is a real promotion. Oh, that's all. That's all I wanted to say about that. Yeah, and not to get in a huge change in about this. The the big thing that I've noticed now is NXT has gone to a point where they've basically done the WWE formula and have put in quote unquote acceptable wrestling, not realizing that the problem wasn't the fact that it was acceptable wrestling. The problem is that WWE formula is completely broken. So like when you like read the results there, I'm like that sounds like the most exhausting show. This was, what, a 10-minute promo with Jericho on the mic the entire time? No notes. He was reacting to the crowd. He called out the, the crowd at a couple points with it, and it just was a great promo, and it was one of those really exciting things. Like, I mean, it. this first half hour of AEW Dynamite was one of my favorite half hours of TV in a long time. Yeah, Aaron Talbot, I used to say this on Everything Evolves, but it's like everybody can do good wrestling matches. That doesn't set you apart from anybody else. You have to have a brand. You have to have something that people can grab onto. We always complain that Evolve didn't have that. Like Gabe Sapolsky was the Evolve brand. We always complained about that. AEW has real things you can grab onto and people you can care about and root for. And that's what separates it, uh, not the matches. All right, we had a world title eliminator. You know, whoever won this was going to face Chris Jericho at the next uh, television show. And Darby Allen defeated Jimmy Havoc with the coffin drop. A huge moment for Darby. Yeah, um, I kind of, you know, half buried Jimmy Havoc earlier by saying that uh, I, I would just like to see him lose faster. That being said, probably the best Jimmy Havoc match I've ever seen. Granted, I haven't seen a lot, but like it was, you know, totally with it throughout. Um, and, you know, the crowd really got behind Darby here, which is what you want to want to see. Riho and Britt Baker defeated Emi Sakura and B Priestley. Uh, Baker submitted Sakura with 
the rings of Saturn and then like a mandible claw type thing where she just like grabs their uh, grabs their jaw. I guess it's like a dentist thing. It's very strange. Yeah, it looked better on Dark, but it looked really bad here. It's just another thing about Britt Baker that's just not up to snuff, I guess. It needs work. I like the finisher. The Best Friends did a weird promo that was essentially built just to do an Orange Cassidy spot and for the crowd to go crazy for Orange Cassidy. Yeah, um, I was I tweeted about this. Like, All they really did was like, hey, here's the guy everybody likes and the crowd cheered. And that was the, and it was a doubly weird segment because then they did the, the blackout to have Sean Spears enter. Um, just weird. <laughs> uh, John Moxley defeated Sean Spears with the... Death Rider slash Paradigm Shift. Uh, Kenny Omega afterward came out with uh, barbed wire weapons, including a broom wrapped in barbed wire, and uh, Pack attacked him from behind. Pack had been on commentary de- during Moxley and Spears. And the interesting thing about Pack's commentary was him saying, hey, why aren't they giving me a title shot? Why are uh, Darby Allen and Jimmy Havoc up for a title shot when I'm undefeated and I've beat Kenny Omega and somebody else, Hangman Page? Yeah, again, a, a tidy little retcon, you know, effective. Um, Kenny with the barbed wire broom, that's like, to me, that's like the good side of pro wrestling ridiculousness. Like, there's actually a justification for his trademark thing being a broom. So, you know, he's setting up a hardcore feud with John Moxley. Let's wrap it in barbed wire. That's like, obviously silly, but like the fun side of silly. This it's interesting to me. They brought Pack in just to do this commentary. He didn't work a dark match. <laughs> he's been at both TV shows. I just think maybe he's going to be here more often than we thought. Maybe he has an agreement with Tony that whenever Tony's flying back from the big uh, football match, that he just hops on the private plane and and flies out over as well. I mean, I'm surprised to see him here too because, to my knowledge, he's not been doing as many dates since his time in Dragon Gate's been over. So it's it's weird. And, you know, I think this was a good retcon and Kenny's barbed wire broom is just ridiculous. Yeah. Interested to see what, what pack does next and how they build. Obviously he's going to be in the mix. So I want to see where that's going. Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara defeated hangman page and Dustin Rhodes. Jericho hit perhaps the worst Judas effect yet on Dustin. And it was all Dustin's fault, by the way. Uh, And uh, got the win, but at least he hit the Judas effect. That's really all that matters. Yeah, this was a, a fun little main event, I thought. I, I thought the makeshift tag teams were a fun thing. The, you know, Paige and Dustin Rhodes is like a little cowboy gimmick, and they're on the, you know, they're elite aligned, so that is fun. Uh, and like I said, the the Hager interference was a, a fun part of this match, and like Sammy Guevara is Chris Jericho's shitty little, um, you know, sidekick. I mean shitty in like the annoying way and not like the bad way. Um, was also a, a fun pairing. Um and then the the post match the post match angle, uh, it, it, it at one point kind of seemed like it was losing steam. It's like, oh, this is kind of the same thing that we saw last week. Uh, but I thought they totally took it to a new level with the MJF and Darby involvement. Both those guys got giant reactions for their role in the post match angle, which, like, considering they weren't on TV two weeks ago, is like a, a great achievement. So, yeah, I mean, these angles are getting everybody over more. I mean. What more do you want <laughs> out of pro wrestling angles? And it's like, when it's over, I just can't remember the last time I felt this way. When it's over, I'm like, fuck, I can't wait to watch this next week. Like, I'm already excited. Yeah, and on top of that, if you're in the arena, knowing that there's going to be more matches taped for Dark, 
you're not sending them home like exhausted. Now they're going to be amped up for the next few matches. And I mean, they even had Cody do a promo after this. I think I forgot if it was posted by himself or posted by the AEW Twitter account. That was another great way of just keeping everyone revved up. So like, this is such a smart thing, knowing that they're doing essentially three hours worth of taping and one of the hours they're trying to save for later date. All right, here are the matches for Dark Episode 2. It'll be coming out Tuesday at 7 p.m. Again, we're not going to spoil them now, so don't get your panties in a wad. But uh, we'll talk about them next week. So the pre-show, they had Peter Avalon taking on Kip Sabian and Sonny Kiss. And after the show, they had Hybrid 2, which I guess is the new name for Angelico and Jack Evans. It sucks. That yeah. name's terrible. And they took on uh, SCU and Shima as a team and the Dark Order. Wait, the, who who was... I'm very confused about these teams. Yeah. SCU and Shima versus uh, the Dark Order and another team. Yeah. Oh, okay. I got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Eight men tag. It was four on four. Right. Yeah. Like the match on Dark One. So. Okay. And the very last match, unsanctioned, Kenny Omega took on Joey Janela. So that seems to be the the big match, and there's been a lot of talk that it's uh, very good. Yeah, buzz that it was a, a wild match, actually. It's a little goofy to have dark, unsanctioned dark matches that don't count for rankings, and then sanctioned dark matches that do count in the win-loss. Like The the stats thing, the win-loss thing, has got to be untenable at some point. This is how much, you know, all you really have to do is give lip service to that stuff anyway, so we'll see, you know, what kind of transition they can make until they just make it like lip service and, and stop making it seem like it's going to be this hard and fast thing. It's also kind of smart though, to do the unsanctioned match here since they said they're not going to be on TNT. So having them in for dark for YouTube right now, and if they need to cut it out for international syndicators, makes sense to do it there and don't worry about the win loss records and how they're going to like maneuver it. I'm going to work on my own Saber metrics rating system that's going to cons- consider everything that will be giving you probably sometime, unless I forget about it, the, the precise <laughs> ranking of who are the top wrestlers are in AEW. So, Nate, I've got you covered. Can't wait. All right. Quick preview episode three, October 16 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He did a much better job this week, JR saying, We're in Philadelphia next week. He did mention it's already sold out, but at least they're getting in the habit of uh, putting over the next shows. All right, so the world title's on the line. Chris Jericho taking on Darby Allen. Awesome. This, I mean, just like a fucking wild idea. I just can't wait to see what it looks like. Fucking awesome. The women's world title. Really like that they're calling it the world title. Like, that. that's a... I, I don't think anyone else has done that, as far as I can recall. So that's cool. Uh, Riho taking on Britt Baker. The disappointment here is no real build to this. I guess... We see Britt continuing to get wins, so it makes sense from that perspective, from like the win-loss perspective. But they just like, oh, we're announcing it. That's going to be the match. So that was a bummer. Uh, but from my perspective, Riho is so over, and you need to establish champions, I think, in this promotion to establish the titles. No reason Britt Baker should win this match, and not just because I don't like her. Yeah, and you have the whole B Priestley thing working in the background as well. So, I mean, this is... Exactly. Like it makes sense. Like when loss wise, Britt has won her first two matches on TNT or on Dark, so she is coming in with like one of the larger winning streaks outside of Riho in the division. So if they marked okay, week three we're having a women's world title match, 
by statistics, she should be the one having the title match. But yeah, it's just I want them to solidify Riho because I'm really excited for Riho when she's back in stardom that she's going to have the high speed championship belt, which looks very similar to the AEW women's world belt, just because I want to see those two belts together because I love seeing lots of belts together. So that's that's why I hope Riho wins, other than the fact that she rules. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with no real build for this because it's a TV defense. It's going to be a holdover defense. Like, you know, sometimes you just have those to have them, to put them as defense number one, and they don't have to be a big deal. Do you think it's, do you think because they're doing two singles title challenges that there's a chance that one of them changes hands and the only possible one would be the women's title? That, that would be very surprised if that happened. I would not do that. Yeah, that'd be lame. And not just because of how much of a Riho fan this this podcast is. It's just, I feel like you need to solidify these titles and make the idea that, okay, if you're a champion, that means you're an incredible wrestler in your division. And they should just keep that up. I mean, with how Riho's been, I think that she's a person that deserves to be champion as well. So, yeah. I- yeah. You just establish the belts. Have the person that's the best hold the belt for a while and establish them. If you're making decisions based on, oh, well, this title's being retained, so the other one should uh you know uh, flip like that's Vince McMahon thinking they should not do that that would be bad if they did that we have two other first round matches in the tag team tournament SCU takes on the best friends and the Lucha Bros take on the Jurassic Express Uh, and that match will be to decide who faces private party uh the SCU versus best friends winner will face the dark order so I don't know well I'll be interested to see I'm not making any more predictions in the tag team tournament I don't think (laughs) it's going to be interesting i think that lucha bros and jurassic express that pairing i'm a little bit less confident in that sort of match than i am for seu versus best friends like seu best friends they've had variations of this kind of match in ring of honor and i think even in world tag league in new japan so i'm not too worried about it but this will be a big test i feel like to see how you know jurassic express really is on this kind of stage so i'm excited for it and I think there's might be an extra match just because they've been having five matches on dynamite. So we'll see something else gets announced beforehand. All right. A few other things before we get out of here, somebody asked me on Twitter to kind of look at the stardom uh, goddesses of stardom tag league, because B Priestley and Riho are both in the tag league. And they wanted me to kind of check into how does that affect whether they're going to be on AEW? So I went through the whole schedule and paired it up with the AEW TV schedule and here's what I think. So on October 14, Stardom's doing a Corican Hall show, and that features B Priestley, but not Riho. Obviously, Riho's going to be on the October 16 show. We've already talked about that. So that's where she'll defend against Britt Baker. Now, before the 1023 show, Riho and B are both on that show. That's enough time because of the uh, time difference. That's enough time for both of them to get to the 1023 show. But I wouldn't be surprised if neither shows up on that show. I mean, Riho's been on every show so far. Yeah, and it's something similar to, like, I know Shima has been staying over in North America, but I know that he has some shows coming up for Big Japan and the OWE and Japan shows. I think one of them is actually on, it, it might be on the 13th of November. So it's not surprising, and it's doable. And, of course, we're getting closer to the giant ddt show that's going to have both kenny and riho on it so i hope they all have filed their medallion rewards or whatever airplane or airline they use because they're going to be making some miles over the next month and a half 
Yeah, if you keep going uh, for 10-20, Riho and B are working stardom. So again, they can get to AEW by 10-23. That, that's no problem, but who knows if they will. Same uh, 10-27, Riho's working, but B's not right before the 10-30 TV. Uh, I guess it gets most interesting uh, for full gear. And what we can tell from the schedule is that B Priestley is working in Japan on November 9. So she will not be at the full gear show. Riho is not booked for that show. So we can expect that she will be on full gear, hopefully defending the women's title. Uh, and then that would give her, uh, there's another AWTV November 13. So she could do full gear, stick around for November 13, uh, get back to Japan. There's a November 15 is the final Goddesses of Stardom Tagling show. She's not booked on that show currently, but it's the finals. So if somehow she and Starlight Kid make it to the finals, she would uh, be on that show. So that's what I've discovered about the Stardom Goddesses of Stardom Tag League and how it meshes with the AEW TV schedule. Any thoughts, gentlemen? No. Excellent. Good job. One last note before we get out of here. Master P has bought House of Glory Wrestling, according to Master P. <laughs> Very excited. Hog talk. Hog talk time. Hog hey. Talk. Okay, so here's my hey. here's my take. Uh, I, I believe he announced this in an Instagram comment talking about like a new reality show or something. Maybe. Okay, so is this a work? Is he the worked owner of Hog? You, you know, I would not be too surprised that this might be kind of a legit thing if only because amazing red has been the owner and trainer of hogs since it's since it started and it seems like after the whole thing about him abruptly retiring and then now is doing all the stuff with new japan he might end up like having some more work of new japan so he wouldn't be around for that but at the same time i don't know who if he's just going to plain old sell it to master p i don't know who master p is going to bring in as the trainer for hog but this is just amazing and this shows you how relevant aew is because of course aew is hockey adjacent so it's, it's another win. aew can't stop winning yeah i basically just spent whatever day this was announced i spent the whole day thinking of master p lyrics and how to work hog into them uh did a few tweets um so if you can think of any really good <laughs> master p lyrics with like working hog into it would love to hear it um, send those directly to aaron <laughs> I don't need to see them on the on the show account. Yeah, yeah, just straight to him. I think his DMs are closed, so you're going to just have to add him. So you, he might not save you. Oh, he's, no, he's DMs pretty are stingy. open, baby. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, the DMs are open. No, just still, just clog up his timeline. Clog up the timeline, not the DMs. Clog up the timeline, people, with your best master P hog ones. In the words of Luke Harper, the DMs are wide fucking open, baby. <laughs> so bring them on. Uh, but yeah, just at me. That's fine. I'm into it. We, I need a hashtag. I'll think of a hashtag for it. It'll be good. Just lo love, of course, that Master P is getting back into wrestling at the same time that WCW is revived and that it happens in a, you know, AEW adjacent promotion is all the more poetic. So, uh, looking forward to him popping up in a BTE with private party or something in the near future. Yeah, a lot of people have suggested Master P managing Private Party. I think that's a great idea. Would love to see it. Okay, I think that's it. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fujiheya. Subscribe to the podcast. Just search Everything Elite in the podcast app of your choice. Smash that subscribe button. 
Uh, give us a rating, a review on the podcast app. Sponsor this podcast. We did, a, we did get a five-star review that I want to shout out. Uh, from oh, yeah. Your boy, Pack says, uh, oh, Pack, I get it, like Pac, but Pack. So your boy, Pack uh, calls us the best AEW podcast. And he says, if they say, if this isn't the best AEW podcast, then Britt Baker isn't a dentist. And folks, Britt Baker is a dentist. Your boy, Pack is right. There you go. Thank you for the review. And uh, I, I think we've probably hit Britt Baker enough on this show. Uh, so we, I don't know yeah, if we can do any side about Britt Baker, but uh, uh, she did. She did like a joke tweet about her being a dentist uh, from, I think, friend of the show, Maxwell RBR. So, you know, she's 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 a smart gal. She, they're going to figure it out, I think. Yeah, I I, did, I do enjoy, I guess, uh, B Priestley gave her a black eye in the match le- last night. And uh, B has just been going at her mercilessly on Twitter, which I think is very funny. And so I, I just, I enjoy their feud. I've really liked their their story, honestly. I just, she's a little boring, that's all. But I like the story. All right, as I was saying, spot. I mean, if you, I mean, this great content, you you want to throw us a few bucks, obviously. So go to redcircle.com slash shows slash everything dash elite. Click sponsor this podcaster. You can do a one time or a monthly donation, which we would appreciate. And uh, I think that's it. So for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We will see you next week. <laughs>